Fuck you! Fuck you! And fuck you! Well, it's another episode of the Glass Shaw Podcast, which will have an infrequent uh, delivery. Who knows when the next episode will come out? That all depends on the availability of those who participate in this podcast. And uh, here's what we've got for this episode. Just me and Dean, again, and we will argue about some things. We may just discuss others. Um, We are going to talk what we'd like to see in a boxing video game. We're going to talk about the StubHub Center, Home Depot Center, and what our favorite fights are from that uh, location. We are going to talk about what has too much hype right now. What is getting way too much praise, way too much credit, which may not necessarily deserve it. Um, and what two fighters would be the perfect complement for each other on a card the same way Golovkin and Gonzalez are? So, Dean, okay. All right, so first up, we're going to discuss the StubHub Center. Now, why are we going to discuss that is because, well, I'm going to work on this piece this week. I, I, I've been working on it because we've got Berto Ortiz coming up this weekend, and I don't know when this um, podcast is going to get released. So you may be... uh, hearing this after I've written the piece, but basically the StubHub Center has been the home to some of the best fights we've seen in recent memory. I mean, the the ratio of great fights here to just cards in general is ridiculous. I mean, this venue had Israel Vasquez versus Rafael Marquez. It had two of those fights. It had Mosley Mayorga. It had Chavez Jr. versus Brian Vera. It had Robert Guerrero versus Yoshihiro Kamigai. Brandon Rios versus Mike Alvarado won. Um, Tim Bradley versus Ruslan Provodnikov. A bunch of fights. Margarita Williams. For you, Dean, what has been the best fight that has taken place at the StubHub Center? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'd consider... I was considering one of the Vasquez-Marquez um, fights. But probably Bradley and Provodnikov, that fight was just ridiculous. Like, it was so back and forth. And, you know, Bradley had to, like, he had to come through hell to win that fight. He, had, he just had to weather the storm in ways that nobody in the first six rounds thought he was going to be able to do over the next six. It was just a crazy back and forth fight with knockdowns. And look at the state of both the guys' faces after the fight. It was, it was, it was exactly that. It was, it was a fight. It was very little boxing, and Ooh, well, Bradley, there was a little bit of boxing in the middle. Yeah, well, just enough that Bradley was able to enough, get a decision. Yeah, but for a guy like Bradley, who was willing to trade openly with somebody like Provodnikov, it was just—it was crazy to watch. I think it might have been the sixth round where they're just both swinging for the fences. Like, it's like, have you guys ever heard of head movement? Shit. No. Like, just, have you seen yeah. the fight? <laughs> Provodnikov, for that matter, though. Oh, provo- yeah, oh, Provodnikov. Like, he's, he's, it's, like a, it's like a common trend with him. Like, he doesn't move his head. But yeah, it, it was a great fight. Uh, I think Freddie Roach said it was one of, the best, one of the best fights he's ever seen as well, which is quite high praise considering. His guy lost. Uh, yeah. What about you? Who would you pick? Well, I wanted to talk about that fight first. I, I remember that, that fight specifically like so vividly because I didn't watch it live. I was out that night and I didn't get a chance to watch it live. And I remember um, laying in bed. It was like two, three in the morning and I couldn't get to sleep. And I turned the fight on. I found the link. I got the link and I started watching it. And I remember I started getting sleepy. And then the second, third round, I was like, 
what the hell is going on? Yeah, like, why do I was like, like what like, in I the world? Glued to it. I, this is a Friday Night Fights fighter. Why is what is going on with Bradley? And then I, at that point, I had to put it away. I'm like, I can't stay up till four in the morning watching this. I got to go to bed. I have to. I had to be up in like a couple of hours. Um, and then when I finally did watch it, I was like, my God, what is what that? What did that's just the fight of the year? Like already, I think it, it happened in like February or March. Um, the fight that I would pick though for like my favorite fight that was at StubHub is one I was actually there for in person and I didn't think was that great when I watched it in person. It wasn't until I saw it on TV where I was like, oh wow, that was a good fight. And it was the Matisse Molina fight. Um, it, it, it was, you know, Matisse is a fan favorite. Everybody was there to see him. He got a, a big response. And then Molina hurts him in the first round. And I remember. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he rock him with a first punch he threw or something like that? Yeah, he hit him with the right hand. I remember just sitting there by myself. My girlfriend had had a hot dog there and got sick. So she went to the car. So she missed out. I mean, I don't think she cared anyway. But um, <laughs> I remember just sitting there by myself and just like, holy crap. Like, my heart started beating. Because, you know, I wanted Matisse to win. And all of a sudden, Matisse's hurt in the first round. And that was really the first time I'd ever seen Matisse look hurt in a fight. Even though he'd been dropped against Garcia, he didn't look hurt. And, you know, it looked like Molina was going to stop him. Now, it wasn't until the next time I saw Matisse at StubHub that he did get stopped. But, uh, you know, that was a fantastic fight. Were you shocked at that point? Uh, Matisse losing to Molina or Postal? Yeah, sorry, Postal. I'm just going a little bit off topic. Oh, no, that's fine. Were you surprised? Um, No. You know, I was because I didn't think Postal was that good. I, I saw I, I don't give you credit for beating Selchuk. I didn't, even though if it was a, you know, really nice uppercut. You know, so what? That's one yeah. win, and one win doesn't make a fighter you know pound for pound worthy. It doesn't make him like this unbeatable force. You know, anybody can score a great knockout. Okay, so I've got a question for you. What makes the Stubhope Center so special? Like, why, why wow. do why is it attractive to like these guys? Why did they want to fight there? Like. Well, now, now I got to release this um, this article or this piece that I'm working on uh, soon. Tease it. You can well, tease it. Here's, here's, what, here's what, what it comes down to. The StubHub Center is small. When you look from the ring or from ringside and you look out into the audience, in a normal arena like the MGM Grand Garden Arena is one of the ones examples that I use, you don't see faces. You just see a sea of people. And you can't, people are so far away that you don't really see eyeballs looking right back at you. You might see them ringside. But for most of those people, most of them, it's their job to be there. But at StubHub, you look out and it's so close and it's so intimate, intimate that you yeah. see people, even in the top row, their eyeballs looking right back at you. You can feel what they want looking in the ring. And, it just, and I think it just brings out this primal nature in people as or in guys who are fighting this like i have to put on a performance here because these people are watching me i mean i have been to StubHub plenty of times now and seen a bunch of different performances and without question it never fails that there's at least one fight on the card that is just like wow that was a war you know even the the young guys who come out and fight they put on they put on shows and i think that's what makes StubHub so special is that it's it's smallness the, the way it's been built um it just creates like an atmosphere like no other. And I think LA has a, a really good, um, I think we have smart boxing fans. I think, you know, our boxing fans, we co- we tur- we come out for guys well, it's like... It's a big sports city in general. Yeah, well. we come out for Golovkin, you know. Golovkin just sold out the, the forum, which is like, you know, a normal arena. 
He sold that out. Um, you know, Gonzalez gets big receptions here. I don't think Gonzalez gets much um, of anything if he fights, you know, say in Connecticut or something. Um, you know, it, I think LA is kind of like the one city here in, in America that can compete with some of the the UK cities, you know, because boxing is much bigger and more popular in the UK and the fan base is a little more vocal out there. And while we don't chant or sing or anything, um, we do bring the same sort of intensity that you see in fights that take place in, you know, Manchester, Liverpool, wherever. Maybe Hull? Is that where uh, uh, Coyle versus um, Campbell was? Yeah, they did it in Hull. But that was, that was just like a... That was that, a nice... That, uh, environment though for a fight yeah because it's outdoors. It, only so, um, it only had so much significance because they were both like local around there though it, it's not really known for being like a you know, like a, uh, a boxing like a boxing hotspot in yorkshire yeah um, but it reminded usually... me of it because it was it looked like it was tiny and the other thing is that it was outdoors and that's the thing with stubhub is it's outdoors in the summer when it's hot you know you're outdoors in like 80 degree weather mm. you have the ocean breeze because we it's you know nine miles away from the ocean um, that breeze coming in, I mean, it's a, it's a great venue. If you ever get a chance to come and see a fight at StubHub, you have to do it. Yeah. I'm not talking to you, though, but um, let's see. What, <laughs> what do we have next? Um, so let's move on to, um, I think, a topic that you're going to have way too much fun with. <laughs> We're going to talk about why Bret Hart is the best there is. No, I'm kidding. Uh, what has too much hype right now? So um, the floor is yours, and I'll provide some, uh, uh, I guess, some counterpoints to whatever you're about to say. All right. So let me just like I'm going to clear something up. I'm I try to always be objective when I give arguments. I don't. I, I know I get a lot of like I get a lot of shit here and there for like shitting on certain fighters or whatnot. That's Being all but jest. But at the end of the day, I can I can also like be objective of fights of fighters of um, promoters and networks and whatnot. But one of the things that really pisses me off at the moment is, um, I wouldn't say Golovkin fans, but the people who are just completely ignorant and bandwagoning on Golovkin, maybe maybe even the casual guys, simply because uh, since the Canelo Cotto fight that have been calling, calling him a coward and a pussy, and it's like, well, hang on. You really expect him to go from fighting Miguel Cotto to Gennady Golovkin in the space of four, five, six months? Like, really? Like, when you look at Canelo's resume for a start, and I'm not saying, like, he's better than this guy, he's better than this guy, he beats Golovkin, he beats this guy. No, I'm just saying, if you look at the respective resumes, right, and you can do this for Canelo against anybody in the sport, look at the run, the three-year run that Canelo Alvarez has been on compared to anybody in the sport not named Andre Ward at super middleweight or... Vladimir Klitschko. He's got the best resume in the sport. He's fought Floyd Mayweather, Eris Landy Lara, Austin Trout. And who wants to fight Lara and Trout? Kellerman said exactly the same thing the other day. What If you're the money guy, why would you take them fights? Canelo's fearless in that sense. He's not scared to get in the ring with Golovkin. He went down to Floyd's weight, to the catchweight for a fight with him. He went to Cotto's catchweight to fight Cotto. He's fought Lara, Trout. Uh, Kirkland, who had like an 85% knockout rate in his fights. Shane Mosley, when he was younger, who, although Mosley was past it at that point, Mosley still had like a ridiculously high knockout percentage as well. He took that fight. 
It, 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 the fight's going to happen. We waited um, six years for Mayweather and Pacquiao. And then at the same time, people aren't willing to wait 12 months for um, Canelo and Golovkin. You can't really expect the guy to go from fighting Miguel Cotto to instantly fighting a guy who they put on pay-per-view and he sold the same amount as Jones-Hopkins rematch. It wasn't a good sell. No, this isn't me shitting on it. It just didn't sell well. So, they've, you know, they've, you've got to give that time. I don't want to use the word marinate or whatever, but you've got to give it a little bit of time. And that's why they had the, they've, they've both had the respective interim fights. Golovkin fought Wade in another squash. And you've got Canelo fighting Amir Khan, which at the end of the day, it's, it's a no-win situation for Alvarez. I mean, he wins the fight. Everybody says, oh, yeah, but we expected you to do that. You know, Khan makes him work a bit, and then suddenly it's like he's got no chance against Golovkin if he can't do this to Amir Khan. Golovkin's going to walk all over him. But at the same time, I do think Golovkin's an elite fighter. I think Golovkin is definitely the smart money in a fight with Canelo. But people really do need to just chill the fuck out with all this calling. You know, calling boxers cowards and calling them pussies and duckers. The only guy, like, I know actually ever duck somebody was Riddick Bowl with Lennox Lewis. That's the only instance of, you know, that's the only instance I've ever really seen of it. But you could say that about a lot of fighters as well. I mean, Roman Gonzalez fans, I mean, nobody really knew who this guy was until about 18 months ago before, you know, before he was on HBO. All we really had of Gonzalez was a few grainy YouTube clips from when he was fighting in Nicaragua. And then now it's like... It hasn't even been a year, actually. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same principle with him. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't sell. They don't. Um, he's the pound for pound best fighter in a sport, not named Andre Ward, in my opinion, without a shadow of a doubt. He, he's fantastic, but people don't really give a fuck about that weight division. And it's sorry to say that the, the one of the premier talents in the sport is at a division that you know casual fans don't really want to see Gonzalez versus Sosa. You know, I mean. Well, no, that was I've a terrible been, fight. Yeah, I've been um, I've been saying for the past couple of weeks that I'd love it if Gonzalez would either rematch Strada or if he moves up a division and he fights now yet anyway. Now that would be my dream fight, but that isn't going to sell to casuals. Casuals don't know who now yet anyway is, and casuals don't really give a shit about Roman Gonzalez. I mean, you can have ESPN and HBO and all the adverts you want and all the hype you want surrounding it. People are just not going to tune into a 112-pound fighter, and that's the way it is. And I think Inouye is a tough sell. I don't. I look exactly. Yeah, he's if nine you just look in. at Inouye, he does not like the, it's. Look, it, you're not going to sell Inouye to the American audience. Yeah, There's how no many way. Japanese guys have have been um, marketable to an American audience? I mean, they brought Kam- the Kamado. That's about it's it. It's easy, though. Yeah, because they brought Kamada over. And, you know, it's... Like, yeah, wh- he, well... He could have done yeah. it. But what he had that a lot of guys didn't have is that he spoke Spanish. Yeah. He was accepted as one of... And he fought like he... You know, his name was but, Little Mexican. And he fought like he was. What, yeah, you need to have something like that. And, you know, in a way, in, in a way he doesn't have that. And even though he's like, anyway, he's in my top 10 pound for pound. He's fantastic. But he's just, he doesn't appeal to Brits. He doesn't appeal to, he doesn't appeal to the English speaking audience. Right. I mean, unless right. you, you have a, ha- like your, your boxing fandom can be con- con- described as a habit. But look, here's where I want to go with this. I'm going to take it a step further. 
I, you know, I agree with you mostly with what you said, but what people need to really calm down about is that, look, boxing is a business. This isn't like the NBA where the best teams will face each other. Why? Because there's a tournament at the end. Boxing doesn't have that. They don't have five-year contracts with guaranteed money. That isn't there. There's no guarantee that you will have a shot to compete at the highest level, that you'll be on that stage to make the most money you can possible. And because it's a business, fighters have to look out for themselves. And I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that. They don't want to look from, hey, this is a business. It's like, no, you're a boxer. Fight the best guy. But look, there's no safety net for these guys. Because Magomed Abdusalamov, what happened to him, what happened to Pritchard Cologne could happen to anybody. That could have happened to Dominic Wade. That could have happened to Edgar Sosa when he fought Roman Gonzalez. I mean, that's the kind of risk you do take when you fight a guy like Gennady Golovkin, Roman Gonzalez, Sergey Kovalev, these come forward, nonstop action fighters, and it's risky. And you could say, oh, well, then he's scared. Maybe. You could but say they, that he's scared, or you could say he's smart. scared to that extent. Well, I, everybody, I, yeah, everybody I don't know that everybody's know scared. I think everybody knows the risk, and I think everybody yeah. also knows that I have a sh- chance to win, but I'm going to do this when it makes the most sense financially as well as, you know... Of course, yeah. ...where I am in my development. You know, obviously, Earl Spence is highly talented. I don't think he was going to fight Floyd Mayweather, you know, in Mayweather's last fight because, look, you have a whole career ahead of you. And while Mayweather would be a, a good short-term play, there's the long-term to think about. Yeah, why take the loss there? Why? It's just, it doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint or or any standpoint, really. Why, you know, disrupt the career of a young up-and-coming guy with a guy who's leaving the sport? It just, but I'd like to build on something you said about fans trying to rush the fights and fans being fickle. I completely agree with um, what you said with regards to that. And one of the points I tried to make is, what would happen then if, you know, you did get all the, all the dream fights that you want? You know, say Stevenson Kovalev, and then you had um, Fury and Joshua, and then the, the winner of that fought uh, the winner of Wilder and Povetkin. Or we had a um, complete unification at middleweight. Or any other division. And then, then what? You it know, would be like UFC. Have, yeah, then we have to go through this ridiculous period where everybody claims that boxing's dead because the division's dead, like when Andre Ward cleaned out 168. The division goes quiet, you know, there's not really any money there or not as much money as there was because there's one guy that's sitting above everybody else and then you've got to wait for the next generation to come around then because you've got one guy who just rules the roost and then, you know, from a business standpoint, it's just nobody wants to pay interest to that division anymore because it's been, it's done, it's finished. Well, it'll, it'll five, look the same five like years right now. now because exactly. Golovkin, I mean, really, he's got nobody at middleweight to fight and people are mad about that. So now they they want Golovkin to move up and wait, which may you know maybe he can, but what if he doesn't? You can't fault a guy for not wanting to move up and wait. Some guys are just at their limit. Floyd Mayweather was at his limit. Manny Pacquiao was he never at his even limit. made one fifty four. Mayweather you, always came in at like one fifty one. One fifty, I think one fifty one was his highest ever fight, um, weighing weight. I mean, Ward, it looks soft at 175, and this is the guy that's always, you know, he hasn't been, like, shredded Tim Bradley. He wants to go a heavyweight one day. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's the competitive spirit in Ward, and you got to give him all the credit in the world for that. But Yeah, there's a definite limit. There's a a surefire limit to how much you can push your body and how your body's going to react once you put that weight on. Will it react the same as as it did eight pounds lighter? Will it, you know, will you be able to get out of the way of punches as fast? Will you be able to get punches off as fast? Will you be able to um, 
throw as many punches. There's so many like different aspects involved in it, and people need to take that into consideration as well when they when they start calling for catch weights and start calling for people to move up and move down and whatnot. It's, if it was really that simple, if the money's there, the you know how many legacy fighters are there nowadays in the sport? There's not that many. Most people are in it to get paid. So if if the option was there and it was viable, believe me, they'd do it a lot more. Look, nobody does their own, Nobody goes to work for their legacy. You, exactly. At the end of the day, it's how much are you taking home? Because guess what? What's expected of people in our society is to have a family, to provide for themselves, to uh, take care of those people that they care about. And you can't do that if you are you know, not looking out for your business interests. I mean, it's hard to sell a legacy fighter anyway. I mean, how many guys out there were actually willing to move up and down weight classes, like not giving a fuck, and then fighting the best names, win, lose, a draw, and then carry on doing it? I well, mean, it's not Can- a viable Canelo's on option, that, though, on because... that path to do it, but he's not there yet. And the only guy that I, I know of who's actually been willing to do this in such a short period of time recently was Oscar De La Hoya because he was a draw. People were always going to buy him because he always took the big fights. But even then, there was a limit, and De La Hoya's limit was middleweight. It, as soon as he went up to middleweight, you wow. know, he had the... It might have been 154. With, yeah. Well, he had it with Felix Sturm, and then he, when he, he came back down... Yeah, he came back down after losing to Hopkins. He fought Pacquiao, and he was clearly drained, and he needed IV, um, he needed IV rehydration. He needed intravenous rehydration. And he ended up losing that fight, and you know... There's only so much you can you can do to your body with regards to you know going up and down and fighting this guy fighting that guy because at the end of the day, each fight takes a physical toll on your body. You know it it adds up. That's it, why you you don't necessarily you look at people like Bernard Hopkins who've been doing this shit for thirty thirty years and it's like this guy is just a freak. This guy's a once in a generation, maybe even once in a lifetime. You can't expect these guys to do what they do. Look at Shannon Briggs. You know, look at the state Roy, um, Roy Jones is in now and James Tony. You can't. There's only so much you can really push fighters, and a lot of fans out there really need to relax with with regards to like trying to make this fight or try to tell try to tell people that they should be going this way or they should be fighting this guy. If if it was that simple, then you know, believe me, it'd be done. But you know, people just want the quick, just want the quick and- solution. Exactly. And I, I'm not trying to defend Canelo. Like I do want him to fight Golovkin. I think that'd be a great fight, but I'm not going to blame, you know, if it was the other way around, if, if it was Golovkin saying, I want to build up my star power so that it's, it meets yours so that this is going to be like, you know, a 1 million buy pay-per-view versus 400. I'm all for it. And do you think he's going to fight him? I do. I do think he's going to fight him. Of course he's going to fight him. Of and course. that's the thing. And even if he... You know, he he did, wasn't giving off any indications right now that he wanted the fight. These things have a way of ha- working themselves out. Mayweather Pacquiao happened. I mean, come on. If you're a boxing fan and you're still pessimistic about guys fighting each other. Exactly. Like, are you, are, have you been paying attention? This stuff happens. Floyd Mayweather said, I will never, ever work with Bob Arum. And what happened? We had the biggest pay-per-view in sports oh, history. Shit. 180 millions there to be made. Oh, yeah, I'll fight Manny Pacquiao. I'll work with Bob Arum. Of course they will. I mean, I mean, look it happened ridiculous... with Stevenson and Kovalev if the money was there. It, I if mean, they could make money, yeah. And in, in that situation, but look at it. Look, we, these guys are not the draws that you, they think they are. Didn't an Al Heyman fighter just appear on a Golden Boy card as well? Dominic recently? Wade is an Al Heyman fighter. Yeah. yeah, just want to throw that out there for all the people... 
who again think that uh, PBC are trying to mono- monopolize things, and they're willing to work with other companies. See, look, right now it's a business. Like money. all sport, it's a business. Money calls the shots. Yeah. So let's see. We're now going to draft some young fighters. So last week we drafted the top 10 fighters in each who we thought um, we wanted in our stable. So now this week we're going to do a draft where we look at the top. We're, we've got a list of about 20-something fighters here. And we're going to see who would be the guys that would be best that you would pick if you were starting your own uh, boxing organization, I guess, or promotion. Um, there's some guys that Dean listed. I didn't look at them. Dean just sent me a list um, that I certainly wouldn't have, that I'm certainly not going to pick. Um, and then there are a bunch of guys that are on the bubble. We're looking at guys that are only 25 or younger. So guys that are 26, like, can you believe that guys like Terry Flanagan, Javier Fortuna, Francisco Vargas, Adrian Broner, Earl Spence, Jose Pedraza, Anthony Joshua, Eubank uh, Jr., Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith, Pedro Guevara, all 26 years old, not eligible. Kosai Tanaka is eligible, but uh, Dean says that nobody cares about him. Well, nobody in America is going to give a shit about him. Nobody in England is going to really give a shit about him. So if we're if we're going to do this right, then we're doing it for the guys who we're going to try and market. So he doesn't really fit into that. All right, so we're going to flip a coin. And, well, look at this. Dean gets to go first this time. All right. Well, um, I know it's going to be really, really, like... Shocking. Uh, that you're yeah, about to pick Canelo. Yeah, obviously I'm going to pick Canelo because he's he's a pound for pound fighter. He's multi, he's fought for lineal titles multiple ways. He's 25 years old. You know, he's he's the money guy in the sport. He's got a long career ahead of him. He's willing to fight the big names. He's he's mar- he's mar- easily marketable. So my first pick is obviously going to be Canelo. Okay, and look, nobody's in a fault for picking Canelo. The you know. He's the le- only legitimate pick. star on this list. I mean, he's the biggest draw in boxing right now. But, and I'm not going to pick Inouye because while Inouye is like 22 or 23 years old, guess what? Nobody's going to watch him. Nobody's t- tuning into those fights. So I will pick Oscar Valdez. And why yeah, I'm picking Oscar sorry. Valdez is because, look, you pick a Mexican, I'm going to pick a Mexican. And while Valdez doesn't have the charisma or the looks that Canelo does, I think he can tap into another part of the Mexican, um, what should we say, demographic, that um, is going to make him a big star uh, eventually. Europe. Yeah, Mexicans have a lot of like they have a lot of national pride, and while Canelo's like he's happy to just like he represents Mexico. Don't get me wrong, you know he's proud of where he comes from. Valdez seems like the real, really like nationalistic kind of guy who's like you know he's super proud of mexico and went to the olympics twice yeah so yeah so that's that's a good pick and that would have been my that would have been my first pick had canelo not been in this list definitely all right so who is next um without a doubt i'm I'm picking now you're in a way um oh good so you could that's who's gonna do the fifty thousand pay-per-view buys for you well the fights are there if you know, if you've got HBO trying to market Roman Gonzalez, 
And if he does move up in weight, then the guy at that division is, without a shadow of a doubt, the kid who's had nine fights and he's a multi-weight world champion and that's now you in a way. He's so, he is something special and it's a shame that he's, that he's Japanese. It really is. If he could speak English or if he came over and fought out of America or in Britain or anywhere, you know, like even Mexico, then, you know, fans would take to him because of his style. He's, he's just spectac- spectacular to watch. But, yeah, it's a shame that he's... he's you know, he only he's only fought in Japan, in the Ariaka Coliseum or wherever wherever it is he fights. But yeah, I'll pick it away. He's he's special, elite talent. He he is without a doubt a special talent, and I'm gonna go with for my next pick, Joseph Diaz. Now he's Ooh. he's come under some criticism for his defense, but his last fight he looked spectacular. Um, power emerged that hadn't been there in his previous fights, so. Joseph Diaz seems like a safe pick. He's the same division as Valdez. I can build up a huge fight between these two guys. Who do you have next? Okay, well, uh, at this point, there's maybe three that I want to choose. I'm probably going to go with Jamel Charlo. Wait, wait. Is it Jamel or Jamal? Whichever one's the better one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not telling you that. you got to do your own homework. I'm going to go with... uh, Actually, I'll go with Gilberto Ramirez. He oh, was he... actually going to be, yeah, he was going to be the one. He was your the one pick. between. Nah, he was the one between the Charlos that I couldn't pick on. Um, it'll probably be Ramirez. You want the guy who's going to lose his belt in his next fight? Nah, he's he's younger. You know, he, the way he beat Abraham handily beat Arthur Abraham as well was pretty exciting to watch. And you know, I the had Abraham there for seven him. to five. <laughs> I, my last name is also Feigen Boots. <laughs> so, Austin. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know if uh, you, you really want Ramirez. No, I'd say Ramirez because he's, he's got um, he's got a decent future ahead of him because he's, he's younger than the Charlos. He's in a you know he's in a division where you know he's he's only young and one sixty eight. Yeah, you know, he, he could pot, he could potentially go up to one seventy five, and he's just he's. Good, exciting to watch. So yeah, pick number three will be Gilberto Ramirez. And here I go with the steal of the draft. I know where this with is my going. third pick out of Puerto Rico, Felix Verdejo. Yeah, I knew that was coming. And why? Well, have you seen him? Have you seen that smile? Have you seen the charisma that oozes off this guy? The only thing that's missing right now is like that dominant. Felix Verdejo type of performance on HBO. He can't seem to get it together when they put him on HBO, but when he's on any other channel, this dude is electric. But HBO, he seems to struggle. Um, He actually struggled in his last fight, but guess what? He's going to work it out. He's going to work out those hand problems, and he will be a superstar, and this will be, mark my words, the steal of the draft. Your turn. Okay, I will take Jamal Charlo as number four. Uh, I was hoping you would mix them up. <laughs> no, I'm taking Jamal. Um, he's he's got a tough fight ahead of him. Yeah, he's got Austin Trout. I think he'll be Trout. He's got um, he's got already got some decent names on the on the resume as well. And you know, both brothers are super talented, but Jamal is the one who's like a little. You know, you'd expect him to go a little bit further. If you're gonna pick one of the brothers to go high. Like higher than the other, you pick Jamal. So Jamal is Absolutely. my fourth. Absolutely, Jamal is the guy with the power. Um, Jamal is is a bit Jamal's like twenty seven with twelve knockouts. He's yeah. 
I mean, the 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 the, the resume or the records suggest that I might be wrong. But look, I've watched these guys' fights. I think I've seen almost every single one of both of their fights. And Jermel is much more subdued, and he's had more struggle in his career thus far than Jamal has. Jamal, but Jamal is, I think, a little more boring to watch. He's a little more basic, but he knows how to use his offense like really well. Um, with my next pick, this is going to shock you. I know it is. I'm going to go with Joseph Parker. You motherfucker. I knew that was coming. <laughs> that was my fifth. Look, Joseph I Parker. I was trying to sneak that one. Yeah, yeah. Nice try. Um, look, I'm actually worried about this pick because Joseph Parker is a tiny, tiny heavyweight right now. I mean, if Tyson Fury is going to reign as long as we think he is at 6'4", I don't know that this guy beats Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury or even Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is a much bigger guy. Um, if Povetkin gets the belt, maybe he could beat Povetkin. Um, Parker's got 16 knockouts right now out of his 18 fights. I think if he does get a belt, and he's got a good fight ahead of him next uh, weekend, I think it is. Oh, wait, no. It's not May yet. I forgot the date. Uh, but, you know, Parker could be a star if he could somehow weasel his way into a title belt all right well for my last pick i will take josh warrington i've got to take somebody brit how many knockouts does josh warrington have well you know how many knockouts does jamal uh jamal charlo have he's probably has like 15 21 27 uh it's it's the same ratio (laughs) no i'm picking warrington because you know, if he does, um, if he does get to like world level at featherweight, look at the guys who are in that division who you can match him up with. Who's like classes of featherweight right now? You mean you've got um, uh, Santa Cruz is there, Frampton's there, Lomachenko's there. It's just a talent-rich division. And if Warrington gets some of them fights eventually, then you know why not? I think it's a solid pick. He's also, you know, you can market him because he's unbeaten at the moment. So. Yeah, number five would be, for me, Josh Warrington. So that's Canelo, Inouye, Ramirez, uh, Jamal Charlo, and Josh Warrington as my five. All right, let me tell you why you made a mistake here. Uh, There's a void in boxing with the retirement of Manny Pacquiao. There's you're going to go for Magsayo. I was thinking about it. I'm not going to go gonna... for Mark Magsayo, which would be a smart pick, but I'm not going to do it. Why? Because Mark Mark Magsayo was dropped in his last fight. And I don't Pacquiao was know, dropped twice early. I don't career, know that he has the charisma that Manny Pacquiao did. And, you know, few do. But I've seen Albert Pagara. I've seen him in person. And uh, this, this guy has an aura to him. He's... Uh, I said his name, right? Albert Pagara? That's yep. who I'm picking next. Um, he's got an aura to him. I think this kid could be special. Are you sure you don't special. want to pick knockout CP Freshmart? No, no, no. Because he, <laughs> he he's a liar. That guy's a liar, and I don't want to hear a word out of him. <laughs> Do not call yourself knockout CP Freshmart if you ain't going to knock out people. <laughs> like, it's really simple. If your name it has knockout in it, you can't have a 50% KO ratio. I think... Um, you can't. I think... Cuenca should change his name to Knockout. I doubt it, it would be on the level. And look, like we talked about, you know, Inoue is not going to connect with English-speaking yeah. audiences. Freshmore's 5'1". 5'1". 
Like I don't like that's 155 centimeters because you're British, and I don't know if you know what five feet are. Um, yeah. But 155 centimeters. I don't know what that is in inches, but it's not a lot. He's a small guy, and I don't think he connects. Um, I'm gonna go with Albert Pagara. Yeah. And you will see him. He will emerge very shortly. Uh, on the world level. Uh, he might end up beating Donaire for his title because he fights at super bantamweight. And he's uh, like on the track to become like the number one contender for the super bantamweight title, that, uh, the WBO version. Guess who holds that? Nonito Donaire. It'll be a passing of the torch moment, even though Pacquiao never passed the torch to Donaire. I was going to say, we, we thought we were going to have that with Crawford and Pacquiao, but, you know, never came about. All right, I've got one for you. And we'll make this really quick. Out of the guys who were 26 years old in that list, who would you pick if you had one pick? I'll let you go first. Ooh. Because I, I know you really want to pick Broner. <laughs> so the list, again, is Flanagan, Fortuna, Vargas, Vargas. Broner, Pedraza, Spence, Joshua, Eubank, Saunders, Smith, and Guevara. Come on, man. It is that not is even a, hard, a question. Hard it, I'll tell you right now. This is what it comes down to. It Like, it... Erase everybody. Nobody else on that list is as important as Earl Spence and Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I was about to say. So wait, now wait, it comes. Wait, hold on, really? Yeah, really? really. Because do you see Broner winning another world title legitimately? I see a guy in there who could potentially dominate an entire division. Callum Smith. Yeah. No, 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 no. And he can move up as well. He could move up, but he'd just lose to Andre Ward. So I don't know why okay. he would do that. So it come on, it doesn't get any better than Earl Spence or Anthony Joshua. Like, and if I'm gonna pick, and I hate to do this, I hate to pick between Earl Spence and Anthony Joshua. Go on, take some, take some pride. Take some do pride. It, do do it for your country. Go My on. country. Yeah. Look, pick Anthony Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am gonna pick Joshua. It, but the thing Ooh. is, who looks more unbeatable? It's Spence. Spence, Spence looks unbeatable. Joshua looks like the wrong shot could catch him, and it you know the the story's over. Joshua looks like he might be able to be outboxed. Like, it doesn't look like it's easy to outbox Earl Spence. Does not look easy, and it certainly money doesn't look easy to still knock him a well away. And you want to pick the heavyweight who's arguably got a paper title? Look, if if Tyson Fury keeps doing soon. what he's doing, if I, like I my my I, I like Vladimir Klitschko. And I'd like him to beat Tyson Fury. I think it'd just add some more wrinkles into the heavyweight division. But look, we have to somehow get Tyson Fury and David Hay to fight each other. Never the, the happening. Build up Never would, ever happening. That buildup alone. Or some happen. combination of Hay, Fury, and Wilder for a title. Any combination of that is going to bring like mainstream attention to that fight because the antics will throw- be insane. You could throw more money at Fury than he's seen in his entire career, and he would still turn the hay fight down out of principle. Well, hopefully he takes it and then just doesn't show up he, on the night of the fight. Well, maybe, because don't forget, Hay actually had Fury banned from his from his hometown arena from a fight. Well, was had, it, did it have something had, to do with all the metal missing? <laughs> <laughs> he had, I think I stole um, your joke. Sorry. He, um... He pulled out of the fight twice. Um, one was a legit injury, which you know everybody who ever saw him on air saw because he was walking around with a ridiculous cast all over the top of his torso and shoulder. Now, he also laughed about this 
which was really classless. And I mean, I know it's a bit like pot calling the kettle black, talking about Fury and classless, but in a sport where, you know, the guys are trying to make money and this is their living, they're trying to make, and Fury's got a lot of money. Um, sorry, Hayes got a lot of money anyway, and he's set. You know, at this point, he's fighting just, you know, for more money, really, but he's already pretty wealthy. And Fury's never had that big payday at this point. And they've signed to fight, and Fury was set to make his first ever, like, million pound purse. And then they pulled out twice. And then not only did he pull out, he then taunted Fury, saying that he'd never give him a payday. And then whilst he's um, retired or semi-retired or he's injured for three years and he's inactive, Tyson Fury does what nobody's done in 11 years. And he's suddenly the lineal champion. He's got most of the belts. He's the unified champion. And all of a sudden, he wants the payday now. He wants to fight with Fury. And Fury's turned round and said, I would rather retire than give him a payday out of principle for what he did to me. Look, so sometimes you have to do what's best for business. I don't think you're ever going to get... Fury and particularly gypsies or travelers, whichever's the most PC words to call them, I don't really give a fuck. Um, well, they call them which one? Pikes. They really don't... They, they stick to the word. They're, they're about <laughs> honor and principle. No, they really are. They really do take a lot of pride. They are very proud people which, you know, Fury's very proud of his roots. And, you know, fair enough. They're allowed to do that. And he's, you know, with all that pride, he won't fight Hay. Not a chance. Even if Hay beat Wilder and beat Joshua on the same night and won them belts, Fury's not fighting him to unify. No matter how much money you throw at him, it's just not going to happen. Okay, let's move on to the next one. All which right. wrestler, past or present, would you have loved to see take up boxing? Yokozuna. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked like Fury. <laughs> no, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, just for the story's sake, and I can tell a few of these stories really quick, I'd pick Meng. What about The Rock? So, oh, come on. The Rock? Come on. That, the, that charisma? That charisma, but Can you what imagine happens if, his post-fight what, interviews? What happens if he's got you know our namesake and he's got a Mekhan's jaw? He's no. He's all. We're assuming, but we're look, on, look at the man. kind of athlete he was. He played football. That doesn't mean you can fight. If he had started fighting, like he he had a, a, a an athletic well, background. Actually, these two I'd pick from, and I hope I'm not going to spoil this for your pick as well. Um, you pick one gun. Want to be? <laughs> <laughs> Wanna be Meng? I'm gonna put that video in the um, in the, the the preview. Actually, I'm gonna put the brawl for all video in the preview. Okay, so one would be Meng, and are we talking? Um, are we talking boxing or fighting in general? Uh, whatever is gonna be funnier. I'd pick Kurt, um, Kurt Angle as well. Kurt Angle. Well, we do know, drug testing, remember, in boxing. <laughs> well, he won an Olympic medal and he never failed a test with That's a broken true. freaking neck. That's true. You know, he won an Olympic gold medal at free, uh, freestyle wrestling. Uh, he's always had a reputation for being like a legit hard guy. But probably if I was picking somebody to fight, it'd definitely be Meng. Now, he bit somebody's. This is a guy who um, he walked into a group of five guys in a bar and bit through somebody's back and spy on the floor <laughs> he popped somebody's eyeball out 
in a bar fight. He, uh, no, sorry, it wasn't a bar fight. It was another wrestler. He did this backstage. You know, he lifted somebody three feet off the floor in the showers against the wall. Naked? Yeah. It's um, a little uncomfortable. He, what else did he do? He got pepper sprayed by the police and he was in handcuffs. He broke the fucking handcuffs off and then attacked the police. Naturally, uh, naturally. Yeah. Uh, Is he black? Was, because they might have shot him uh, if he was. Tongan. I think it was Rick. Sorry, not Tongan. Samoan. I think it was Rick and Scott Steiner to, like said that one like when he maced him and he just like broke the handcuffs off. Um he reached into a guy's mouth one time in a bar fight, like with his index and his trigger finger, and broke off the guy's bottom teeth. Like ridiculous. Jesus. And there was stories about, you know, guys who legitimately tried to stiff him in the ring and tried to beat him up and shit like that. And it was just like the other wrestlers had laughed backstage because it was impossible to do. Because, you know, you could punch him and you could hit him with whatever you wanted, and he'd just like he'd carry on coming forward. But yeah, that that was it. Um, we were on a trip to Puerto Rico, and there was a wrestler called Jesse Barr, and he kicked dirt onto a guy who was like digging a, digging a ditch. So Meng, who was from like um hum, like humble background as well, he was like upset by it. He like said he shouldn't have done it. So Barr got in his face, argued with him, and then Meng grabbed him and popped his eyeball completely out of socket. And no. Barr was the one who got fired. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why this guy has never had to do jail time. And I was really worried about this question. Him. I was really worried. Well, I guess they tried it. He broke out. But I was really... Because uh, I thought you were going to say Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Uh, my pick would be Bret Hart. Because I know that's your favorite. Is this before Goldberg kicks his head off and retires him? or Before. All right. You sure you don't want to pick Bradshaw? No, because <laughs> uh, who? Somebody, didn't somebody beat him up? Well, I know. I know he got hit with a chair once and like just oh, leaked blood hell, everywhere. Yeah. No, he, um, he no, he was actually pretty pretty notorious for hazing some of the new stars. Well, at the end of the day, I know we're, we're going away from a point here, but do you think them guys would be wrestling if they could actually box? No, not at all. No, not They'd be boxing. No. Think you make more money in boxing? Yeah, Big Show, Pit Big Show. <laughs> Tyson. That, I mean, it's basically Tyson Fury right now. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. What would you like to see in a boxing video game that isn't really just the same old reincarnation of Fight Night or any other boxing game we've had? All right. I have a good now, one. I've got a good one as well. Um, have you? Let me ask you which. Uh, are we talking console games? Are we talking PC games? Because I've console. played pretty much every boxing game out there. PS4. Punch-Out to Fight Night to Fight Night Champion. What about Ready to know? Rumble? I even played Knockout Kings. EA Sports Knockout Kings. Yep. I, I, had on the cover. On, yeah, I had one um, on... Yeah, I had one on GameCube back in the day. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, wow, you played GameCube? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, and anyway... Right. So the thing that I thought has always been missing from the fight night was the career mode um, where you could basically create your own fighter and you'd start in the amateurs. You'd go through an in champion. You had went through an amateur tournament. You won the amateur tournament. You went pro. And then it was just like, right, no, this is the same shit that we've been fed for 15, 20 years of 
pugilistic games. You know, you fight you fight a higher rank guy, you move up in the rankings. You fight a higher rank guy, you move up in the rankings. Oh wait, title shot, you beat that guy. Now you've got the title. Now you can unify. You can yeah, you've unified, and now you're just fighting number one, mandatory, 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 and that's it. There's absolutely no progression career-wise. You know, you don't get any say whatsoever in your fight purses. You know, part of the thing I'd like to like implemented into it, like. A bit more realism, like you could um, you could have you can sign with promoters, you know you can um, you can have your fight purses negotiated, you can reject fights, you can accept fights, you can you know I'd like you to be able to have a lot more creative control over your career rather than right you've created your fighter, okay fight this guy, fight train, this guy, fight, fight this guy, train fight, yeah exactly train. it's just rinse and repeat and it's like it gets boring after the first five times you do it like and you can even skip the training. So like yep. you know, after five times of doing it, it's like right, right, fight, 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 and it's like, well, now what? So yeah, I'd like a bit more progression in that sense. I'd like you to be able to have a lot more um, scenarios in your career. It'd be a lot more in depth, and you could only ever like really. They never really had every single weight class either in Fight Night Champion. Right? There's like I think how many weight classes do we have? Is it eighteen we have in the sport? I don't 17? know. It's not as many as the WBA has belts, though. I can tell you that. Yeah, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they don't have every single weight class, which is a bit of a you know they don't have cruiserweight, they don't have a um, super middleweight, and it's, well, you know, champion had super middleweight. Are you sure? Uh, now that you, you say sh- that, are you sure? I'm sure it went middleweight, like heavy, heavy. It might actually. It might. I can't. Re- I can't even remember. Yeah, because cruisers were bunched in with um, light heavyweights, weren't they? Yeah, you had. Yeah, cruisers were bunched in with light heavies and some heavy, and then you had super middles who were either middleweights and uh, da, 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 middleweights and light heavyweights, and you had um, one forty five, like super lightweight, wasn't a division. So you had. Um, you had 140 Ricky Hatton at lightweight, or you had him, like, he wasn't a welterweight. And it's no, just Hatton things was like a that. welterweight. <laughs> I'm sh- are you sure? I'm sure he was at light- uh, I'm sure he was at lightweight. Anyway, regardless, they need, so- they need proper weight classifications in the game. They need um, a decent career mode where, you know, you're not just going to get bored of the same rinse and repeat bullshit after an hour. You want something that, you know, this is my fighter. I, I want to feel a- like a connection to my fighter. You know, I want to be able to like um, control his actions. I want to be able to do this rather than just like, oh, you've got a choice of fighting two guys for the same amount of money. You can change your trunks. That's it. So that's that's what I'd like to see in a um, in a fight game, anyway. Uh, yeah, there's really no difference in the game from no, your just first like a decent fight a decent to, interactive like, career fight. mode. Like that. That's like every other EA game seems to have it. Like in the U- EA UFC, it has it in um, in FIFA. Uh, when you create a pro and you have your career mode, it's a, it's st- it gets stale. But there's a lot more things you can do with your with your pro in FIFA. You can do it in Madden. You can do it in all sorts of games. Um, 2K16 NBA. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of things you can do here and there. So I'd like to see I'd like to see um, a decent story mode implemented into the game or, or a career mode, should I say? Here's here's mine. Mine is pretty simple. I think. There's two things. One, um, the games need to be a little harder, and I'd like guys to actually fight with a distinct style. Um, Definitely. In Fight Night Champion, I have it on the highest setting with the awareness sliders put all the way to the end, 
and the computer can't touch me. Like, I, I can't be beat. Like, I really do feel like I'm Floyd Mayweather when I play that game. Um, and then the other thing, what's more important, though, is um, I'd like there, there to be, like, programmed reactions to punches. Like, yeah, rather than if you the don't same. do anything, he you could just punch the guy, and the guy doesn't even move. I like yeah. them to at least flinch or to try to get out of the way so that the the fights look more fluid. Yeah, versus... there's no head movement or any sort of like, you know, bobbing and weaving or anything like that unless you actually physically mo- like do it sway out of punches. I like, mean, it doesn't you know, mean... Did... Yeah, like even if, if you were to do it, it doesn't mean that they're going to not get punched, but they can at least attempt it so that it, lo- it doesn't look like he's either standing straight waiting to get punched or moving his head to the left or moving his head to the right. That's what I'd like to see so that the fights actually look visually appealing. Yeah, well, when you can create a fighter as well, you also get to choose their style and you can choose whether they're going to be like a brawler, a swarm, or a boxer, whether they're going to be a counterpuncher, whether they're or going to be crazy like Manny Pacquiao, yeah, which like is a style. Or, or, unorthodox or this, that, orthodox, this, that, and you're a brawler, puncher, boxer, puncher. But then all you're really doing is like changing their. Um, the way they stand before they, you know, they, before they put the guard up and they throw punches, it doesn't really change anything it, other than like, you know, like the walkout stance or the stance before they actually start throwing punches. So that's not really, you know, you can't really, styles make fights rather than two guys just standing there, you know, rock and sock and robots for the best part of it. That's really what fight, fight night games are. All right. So you one quick question yeah. before we go. Right. If they if they were going to release a game next year, say early, like spring release, who's on the cover? Canelo. <laughs> Canelo. Well, After all you said it just it just makes complete sense. No, think of it like this: Did um, who was on the cover of Fight Night Champion for you? Fight Night Champion. Um, yeah. I don't Actually, even know. It, it wasn't might, it? Wasn't it because, that like that? Um, the character. We had, no, we had David Hay. I'm sure it was different in other parts of the world, like with other EA games. Are I think it was David Hay who was on the cover over here on Fight Night Champion. So probably Anthony Joshua, if they were going to release the cover over here, especially in this country, it'd probably be a British fighter. And I doubt it'd oh, be yeah. Tyson Fury because yeah. EA want to sell the game. But I know it was definitely different. Let me let me just check. No, Anthony Joshua is the natural choice for a UK game, um, and I think in America the natural choice is the uh, Terence Crawford if he beats um, Victor Postal. I think he combines like a video game style that would sell. Yeah, I mean, you guys had the um, what's his name Andre Andre Bishop. Yeah, you had Bishop on the cover. But before that, um, De La Hoya was on the cover of one, wasn't it? And Gatty Ward was on the cover of another. Uh, it's definitely Round what four the... was Ali and Tyson for us. Yeah, we oh, had, wow. I think I'm looking we had, at uh, screenshots from round four. The game looked terrible. Terrible, yeah. No, we had... Uh, yeah, was it? Wow, the, the graphics were terrible back then. Yeah, Finite 2 had Hopkins on the cover. Um, three had De La Hoya. But I think um, either the American one had Delahoya or the American one had Gatty and Ward. And Europe had a different, had the other. Uh, I think four was Ali and Tyson. Yeah. I'm not sure whether we had something different, but. 
All right. Well, that's it for this edition of the Glass Shaw Podcast. We will be back soon. Rest in peace, Prince. Before we go, the guys who listened and commented last week, I know there was a guy who said he would like to come on and shoot the shit with us in a, in a couple of weeks' time, and I've not forgotten about you. Don't worry about that. We'll get around to getting you on. And I know this is meant to be like a semi-argumentative podcast, but we are having trouble getting Adam and a couple of other guys we're trying to get on like for time constraints at the moment, but we will get back to that format in the future, but it won't be too long. Anyway, thanks for listening as always. Peace.